This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Hey, Jeremy. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, Chris Wilterdink. How are you? Uh, This is just like my favorite day of the week. It's my favorite day of the week as well, because there is nothing better than getting to sit on a Zoom call and talk about youth ministry for the whole world to see if I really mess up and make a fool of myself. Isn't that fun? Um, most of my Zoom meetings aren't being broadcast everywhere. So <laughs> normally I just get to, you know, make whatever face I want to. But when we do these things, I have to at least try to behave. That's, that's right. That's right. Behavior is important. <laughs> uh, you know what? That's actually a tremendous segue into what we're talking about today because, because um, I'm a professional podcaster, Chris. There you go. That's why uh, it's a great segue. Uh, So if you live in the North American hemisphere, it is getting into the fall season and there are fall sports that tend to kick off. If you happen to live in the United States, uh, often these sports are uh, soccer, lacrosse uh, and American football. Okay, Um, Jeremy, I don't think I'm throwing you under the bus by telling everybody that you really are not a sports fan like at at all. Yeah. And I'm not like a hater. I just don't care in any way about sports. Like I am apathetic is almost a word that implies too much care. Oh, like, wow. I forget that it exists. Like no lie. I forget that football is a thing. And then I log on social media and somebody's posting about football and I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot about football. That's a thing. That, and and that is the season that we're in, right? Like uh, the state that I happen to live in, Colorado, um, is having a big storyline in sports right now, right? Um, Deion Sanders has been hired as their coach. They've won three games, which is like more than they did all of last year. And they're all over ESPN and lots of celebrities are tuning in and that kind of stuff. And so that is the, the genesis of our conversation today was- If my started watching looks like- <laughs> I have no recollection to the words you're saying. <laughs> it's because I have no clue what you're talking about. Zero context, right? And not okay. ever. Like it's not the sports doesn't even show up in my feed of news. I don't. I don't even. Yeah, I'm going to send you a jersey when we're done. I don't know of which which team, <laughs> but I'm going to send it to you, and I'm well, going to ask you to guess what sport it's from. To wear a jersey, I'll have something to wear. <laughs> It, and and what is but what is weird is that like I am I, I've been this way my whole life. I was born this way. <laughs> and you were born a non-sports fan. It's true. And, and the reality the is like I'm I've made peace with it, but like it does there are moments where you feel like a deep outsider, like. Yeah, people start talking, and this, it's not like they they what you just said probably felt like you were describing something clearly, and I didn't know the words you would. I didn't know the meaning, like you said, a person's name that I feel like I've heard at some point, but has no connection to anything. That person could be a celebrity cook, as far as I know, right? Like, sure. and and but for people who are really into it. Like they don't even know that I am like 
clueless. And if they're like really having a great time, I just sort of like slowly back away because I don't want to make them feel bad. And I also don't need the like, the like, they're like, oh, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know any of these words. <laughs> right. And then they're like, then they feel we, it's just a whole mess. But like, it's outsidering when you're not a sports person. Well, that's right. And and even within like the sports community, right? Like I, I would, uh, I, I was doing like chores around the house this last weekend and I had some games on in the background and they'd have that overhead footage of the stadiums, right? And you've got these entire sections of students, right? These entire sections of young people um, that all know the same movements or the same traditions or the same oh, rituals right. at the game, right? Like there's these hand motions when uh, the team is going to come onto the field or you're jingling your keys when it's time for a kickoff. And it just got me thinking about this. Okay. There's something about this sense of belonging. That's really cool for the people who are in and somehow along the way, they picked up what it meant to be in and how to behave so that you were a part of this in an understanding crowd. Although like that culture. Yeah. 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 And, and sometimes there's not a lot of intentionality around how somebody learns. It's just as like, you're in the midst of it and it happens. And here we are talking about like some ministry sort of stuff. And you know what? It got me thinking that there's really insider stuff that happens in youth ministry or happens in church life. And I wanted to pull apart some of the intentionality that's around it or not because it feels great for the people that are in the know and are connected and understand the language. Um, and it's not so great when you're feeling outside or kind of left behind because you realize you don't belong. Right. And I think it's important to like key in on the fact that um, like helping teenagers experience a sense of belonging is really important critical it it's essential both just for group health but also like for them personally their health as part of the good parts of this um and some of these things are this some of what we're talking about it's one of the ways that you do that right yeah and and so you, there's a there's a piece of it where uh, in order for those students to feel like they belong, there's sort of shared norms, experiences and stuff. And your job is to sort of help navigate those, right? Yeah. And and I'm trying to think of like a couple pretty, I don't know, standard examples of where this might rear its head in ministry, right? Like uh, name tags, name tags. Oh, name thank tags. you. Name tags. Okay. Yeah. Pull that one up. My pet peeve, right? Okay. So like, I think name tags are really great. Because I need need them. And the larger your group gets, the more likely you are to have visitors, that kind of stuff. Like you want to learn people's names. You want to call them by name, all of that. Name tags are helpful and essential. When those name tags are printed, pre-printed and like, you know, nice, laminated, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. it immediately says, oh, there's an insider. There's an outsider. Right. There's like, oh, this person doesn't fully belong yet. And I remember I had a church that like they were like very committed to that. And they're like, if somebody shows up once, we will make them a name tag. And I said, yes, but when they show up. They don't feel like they belong. Right. They 
it's it's an unnecessary outsidering, right? Because there are ways to do name tags that don't that everybody has the same name tag, right? Right. And when you're in it, just like you said, you know, kind of with the sports pieces or the student section at the stadium, when you're in it, you don't necessarily realize what are the experiences or what are the things that make somebody might feel as if they don't belong or as if they are an outsider. Uh, I think about some of the prayers or the songs that that we would do before uh, dinner on Sunday nights when we would do youth uh, stuff, right? Yeah. There was like three or four different ones that we would rotate between. Well, what, what, let me hear one, Chris. Don't you, you dare. You know that I cannot sing. You can't bring it. Did you do, yeah. oh, Lord is good to me. Did you uh, do that, that one? one? Yes, yes, right. So that one to the tune of Johnny Appleseed. Um, there was one that we had that was like the Adams Family soundtrack. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, it was like, uh, yeah, but, and you would do the thing. And I, I've I've been, I've never been in a church that did that one, but I've been to camps where some church does that one. And I'm always like, I, I got nothing. I can't. Yeah. I can't. And so here you are, right? Like you're new to this group. Uh, everybody's circled up. You know, you're going to pray before the meal, but it's not as if those words or actions are ever actively communicated anywhere. It's not like we put the words up on the screen. It's not like we teach people the motions to go with the song. If you stick around long enough, then you get to belong and you get to be on the inside with this particular ritual. And I like the phrase that you used for like unnecessary outsidering or something like that, where we just might not even realize um, how unintentionally we are reinforcing the idea that some people belong and some people do not. Right. right. And, and it happens in big worship too. Um, yes. If you're in a worship setting where um the the words to every prayer are going to be up on the screen, except for that one that everybody knows, because this is our doxology. And of course, everybody here knows it. Right. It happens, right? It can happen anywhere in the church. And so I, I guess I want to call people to pay attention to those sort of rituals or things that you'd think you're doing to create a sense of belonging in your ministry um, that can have sort of unintended negative consequences if you're not intentional about, you know, coming alongside somebody to introduce stuff to them very, very early on as they're trying to figure stuff out, because as awkward as you would feel showing up to a sporting event, right? Knowing absolutely zero about how important the next uh, Alabama Crimson Tide game is. There are people that would show up to a youth group, right? And feel just as awkward as you would walking into that stadium, knowing nothing about the game that's being played. Right. And, and I think, so I think what's important is, is not necessarily to take all the things away. Right. Right. Because part of that is just the culture of the youth ministry, um, the culture of the church. And it's important to make sure that we are, um, that we are doing the things that like help us like create that sense of belonging. Um, but we also need to go through and evaluate them from an outsider's perspective and say, okay, what is it that I can do to make this element feel um, feel accessible? Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, I, like what, one of the things that I, I think is to pick on, big church for a while, right? Because youth ministry is always great, but the old people get it wrong. Um, <laughs> there, I, I was in a church who like had like, they printed a lot of prayers, but the Apostles' Creed, they did not. In there, they said, 
it was like the Apostles' Creed, and this is like 881 was the like number in the hymnal. So, uh, and there was reasons that you couldn't add it just for space, printing space, blah, blah, blah. Uh, So that meant that like the mode for an outsider was to pick up the hymnal, open it and find page 881 and then read it, right? And so um, one of the things that uh, was done to make that more accessible was to go up, even though the pastor who was leading that part knew it by heart, they would say, right now, we're going to all say this historic, the Apostles' Creed together. If you take out your red hymnal, they would take it out, and they would say, it's found on page 881, and then they would open it and find it. They didn't have it pre-marked, right? Mm-hmm. They would open it, f- turn to the page 881, and then they would say it out loud, which gave anyone who didn't know it enough time because the the other thing is like if it's on 881 but you say hey we're gonna do this thing 881 our father like and then we go right into it that's like not in any way helpful right Right. you might as well just have stood up and started talking all at the same time um but coming up with like the way that you have if you're an outsider like what do you need i need to know it's in this book i need to know the number and then i need time to find it yeah right and so yeah. we can build that in um, if uh, if you've got the weird blessing, you could put the lyrics on the screen or you could whatever. Uh, so I think like it's important to walk through those tradition, traditional elements and ask that question, like, how can I make this more accessible? Well, let me lift this one up then, because. Uh in the world that we're in, right? Like personal boundaries and boundary setting has become more and more important in ministry stuff. And uh, there was a very traditional element of United Methodist Youth Fellowship stuff where at the end of your time, uh, you would say the Aaronic blessing. I think I'm saying that right. There are two A's. um, And I always try to like not pronounce it as ironic blessing because that sounds ridiculous. Um, but it comes from numbers, right? It, it's the blessing that goes, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you or something like that, depending on the translation that you use. Right. Um, and in the youth groups that I would lead, the tradition was at the end of time, you'd all get in a big circle, cross right arm over left arm and then hold hands. Right. Yeah. And if I was a kid there for the first time, <laughs> I'd be like, okay, I don't know why we're doing this. I don't really know what we're doing, right? Like, I don't know the purpose of it because nobody stops and says, this is why we do this blessing, right? Like we don't pull it apart and say, we've spent this time together building each other up. Now we're turning outside to bring our faith into the world. We don't do any of that unpacking kind of stuff. Plus there's physical touch involved, which as you and I know, related to safer sanctuary stuff and some of that boundary setting has gotten more and more important to be able to have some kind of understanding or consent uh, as opposed to just saying, no, listen, this is the time that we all sit in a circle and hold hands and sing out loud and pray with each other. Because you know what? That's like Jeremy level feeling awkward when he's been invited to go watch the halftime marching band show. (laughs) I agree. And uh, I mean, so I think it's important to say that there are some things that are time to let go of, even if they've been done since the very first time that youth group met um, or be changed significantly. Like I should never be expected 
to allow someone to touch me without my permission, right? That's not a thing. Unless you are saving me from an oncoming vehicle, right? <laughs> there should not be anything like that. I have to, I'm expected to hold hands with somebody. Um, I'm expected to hug somebody. That was one in a church that I served. Like there was this expectation that, and, and it would happen. And I, and I could see it, right? Mm-hmm. You're watching. There's a new kid. The, this moment in the, the night comes and somebody that they don't know puts their arm around them, right? Sure. And it's not okay. It's not okay. And And even if at some point you said, hey, is it okay for everybody? You know, like that's, that's also, that's not actually giving them agency. Right. Yeah. So you, it's, it's important to, to take a second to step back and say, is this ironic, 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 <laughs> ironic. If this ironic blessing is, uh, is important enough to do without enforcing holding hands and getting tangled up in everybody's arms. Mm-hmm. If it's important enough, then let's find a way that doesn't involve forced physical con- contact. Because the other thing that that does, and and there is this like, some, some places uh, have some elements of um, grooming and conditioning that happens, um, just in their culture. And this expectation of people being allowed to violate your physical body, um, touch your physical body without your permission, that's one of those things that we've got to be really careful about. Because what it does is, is if we have a lot of those things and they build up, then our place becomes less safe, sure. right? If there is someone who is who is who has not cool intentions in that space and has made it through all of the like interviewing and background checking, but you've built a culture that normalizes um, violating people's physical bodies and their personal preference um, to that. Um, then you've made it easier for that person to, to do things that are inappropriate. And it feel like, oh, I shouldn't say anything because that's just kind of how we are here. We're at a very touchy youth group. That's not okay. Sure, sure. And that's a hard conversation to be able to have, right? I, I mean, I think we're, if I was to go big picture with this stuff, right? When you are talking about building a culture of belonging, that is super important to be able to have in a youth ministry. Um, It's almost natural that there's going to be cultural development or, you know, like kind of expectations that get set Um, and then ritual behavior or rituals that become part of that belonging. Um, You just always have to be able to be on the front end of being invitational and intentional about what you offer. Um, Mm. Because I have seen, you know, groups that, um, if they if they struggle to connect with people that are outside of their ministry, I have seen this be a big part of why that struggle is because there's this immediate and innate sense of not belonging. Yeah. And there's nobody, whether it's an adult or whether it's some of the youth leaders who are like particularly gifted, um, that should be invited to help do some of that outreach and connectional stuff and be like, no, here, listen, this is why we do this. And next right. up, you're going to see this happen. And, and that's why we do this. 
um, that intentionality level isn't there in a lot of places. And so yeah. when when groups or when when churches are trying to figure out why they're not connecting with new people, I'll ask that question about, okay, so so what does it look like to belong versus not belong? And when was the last time that you even got an outsider's opinion about mm-hmm. what looks weird to them in this space, right? Because the the experience that you and I shared, um, you know, related to watching coverage of, you know, sports stuff, again, mm-hmm. like here's these crazy rituals that make absolute sense for each fan base of those teams. Yeah, It's the first time I'm seeing... Um, a Buffalo Bills uh, giant fan dive off of chairs to smash a folding table in half because it's important somehow. I have no idea what's going on there. It's funny. I'll watch it on repeat on Instagram, right? Because I like love watching it, but I'm like, I have no idea what that's about, but clearly you got to be into the table smashing thing. If you're into the Buffalo Bills Um, and there's (laughs) church and there's church stuff that's like that, but often we as leaders are so deeply inside the thing that we don't stop and ask ourselves, okay, what, (laughs) what would look weird to somebody who's joining from the outside for the first time? Yeah. And I think the other piece is, you know, we've sort of talked about sort of the reaction and evaluating what we've got, but the other thing that we can do is we can um, start things. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and we can model behaviors that are important. Um, for example, I will um, I will often, if we're talking about a Bible passage, have a student come up to read the Bible passage, and then I will like stop them throughout the passage and teach, explain a little bit, right? And I and I ask, and, and like one of the ways that I will do that sometimes is like I'll touch their shoulder as like a pause button. Okay, right? but. Before I do that, I always say, "Hey, is it okay if I touch your shoulder?" Right, and and I and I don't say it loud. I don't say it in front of everybody. And if I've got a microphone, I put the microphone away. Right, and I just ask them quietly, "Hey, is it okay if I touch your shoulder?" And they'll and they'll say, "Yes." My son, I did. Even my son, right? Even though I know it's okay with him, sure. Um, but I, it's modeling that behavior and being, and so that's like. And asking people, asking your adults to do the same kind of thing. If there's an activity that involves touching or that kind of stuff, you can actually make good and healthy things. One of the things that makes that sense of belonging, right? One of the norms here is that we ask people before we touch them, right? And um, and it's something that's sometimes different than other places, uh, but it, it can, it can be a culture, a part of the culture of the group. And it can be one of those things that like, Oh, wow, this is cool. I like that. I appreciate that. They aren't just randomly touching me. <laughs> well, and, and I think too, you know, about um, where else in the world people would be asked to do the things that they do in youth ministry, right? right. Like right. where else in my life am I going to be asked to circle up, hold hands and sing into the face of strangers about how much God loves me or about how much God loves them. Right. right. Um, where are other places that I'm asked to pray out loud? Like we, we do, there, there's different stuff that happens in ministry, which is part of what makes it special. Um, but also really needs that intentional framework and that modeling that you're talking about so that, um, people understand um, some of the meaning behind why this is different um, and how that is sort of helping to sort of build or reinforce um, the culture of community or or the the culture that you're hoping to build up through your ministry itself. So, yeah. 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 
Well, Jeremy, always a pleasure to talk youth worker recharge stuff with you. Um, that's right. I think we should do it again next week at about the same time on Monday. I, that sounds brilliant. Okay, great. Let's plan that in that case. Um, right. For those of you who happen to watch us live on Facebook today, thank you for spending part of your Monday afternoon, uh, both with Jeremy and I. This is the Youth Worker Recharge. You can find past episodes um, that get turned into podcasts by our awesome producer, Hannah, at Ooh, our hey. website, umcyoungpeople.org. Uh, all of our back, uh, back recorded versions of this podcast are available there, along with uh, some other really awesome and helpful resources and worship materials to help you lead your ministry with young people. All right, Jeremy, we will catch up again next week. Thank you, sir. Peace.